Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Fightful Select Weekender Podcast. This is Steven Jensen, and this is my first episode doing this over here on Fightful. So, welcome to the show. Thanks for checking it out, and thanks to the great people over here at Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp and the great folks for uh, giving me a chance, giving me an opportunity on this platform with you guys. So, once again, thanks for checking this out. And just a little bit about me before we get started. Um, I'm a professional wrestling fan, obviously. I'm a big fan of mixed martial arts as well. And... I've been watching pro wrestling since I was about probably five or six years old. I'm currently 30. I started watching back in like 1994. First feud I can really remember uh, really attaching to, really clinging to, really made me a huge fan of pro wrestling. Believe it or not, was WCW, the Dungeon of Doom, taking on Hulkamania. It was the big feud, Hulk Hogan versus the Dungeon of Doom, the the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. And, you know, his cronies, you know, it led to the, the debut of people like the Giant and, you know, the reemergence of old faces from the WWF. And that's really what dragged me in, believe it or not. It's uh, considered one of the worst storylines of all time. But as a five or six year old kid, I ate it up. So that's a little bit about me. I've been a fan for a long time. Um, I watch pretty much everything from independent wrestling, you know, local shows, a uh, big fan of, you know, the stuff on Powerbomb TV. I like Impact Wrestling, I like Ring of Honor, I like WWE, you know, pretty much everything, but, you know, there's a, there's a wide spectrum of professional wrestling that's available right now, and this is really interesting for me to be doing this show, because while, historically speaking, I'm a giant fan of Impact Wrestling, um, I was a fan of their weekly pay-per-views back in the day, uh, out of the uh, the Asylum here in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, by the way, um, you know, it's one of those things where I was a huge fan of, of TNA from the start, from the first episode that they had all the way until probably around the time that Victory Road happened where uh, Jeff Hardy and Sting had that debauchery of a, of a if you even want to call it a match. That's around the time that I started falling off on TNA slash Impact Wrestling. And, you know, it's something where I've kept up with it here and there. But now that I'm doing this podcast, it's it's fun for me because it's actually kind of forcing me back into the product um, on a full-time basis. So you guys will be taking this journey with me from somebody who was a hardcore fan of Impact, you know, historically speaking, and getting back into it. Same with Ring of Honor. You know, I was a huge fan of Ring of Honor back in the early 2000s. I remember their first show as well. I remember, you know, of course, you know, big time, you know, names at the time, Loki, Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, uh, even back when, you know, Paul London and, and Spanky and those guys were involved, you know, CM Punk, everybody. And same kind of thing with Ring of Honor with me, you know, it's something where when the Bullet Club became more and more involved with Ring of Honor, I gained more and more interest in the product. And now that they're kind of, it seems like they're kind of stepping away from Ring of Honor and kind of doing their own thing in the near future. So it's going to be interesting, guys. It's going to be real interesting seeing uh, where all this goes. We'll also be talking about NWA on this show, uh, a company that is near and dear to my heart because they basically operate out of Nashville. Um, I know like Dave Lagana and Billy Corgan do a lot of work out here. I was there live at the NWA 70, 70th anniversary show at the Nashville Fairgrounds last month. It was a great show. It was a great time. So I'm really excited to be talking about NWA on this show. And I'll also be talking about BTE, which is my favorite um, YouTube, I guess, show out there um, as far as professional wrestling is concerned. I love BTE. I've seen every episode. So 
That's something that's going to be very easy for us to talk about on this show. And I'll also be running down NXT spoilers on here for you guys as well, if there's if there's any taping spoilers. So that's a little bit of a background on me and kind of what to expect. We'll be talking NWA, we'll be talking NXT spoilers, we'll be talking Impact Wrestling, we'll be talking Ring of Honor, and we may sprinkle in you know other stuff here and there, but for the most part, that's kind of what to expect from this show. And once again, just a little bit about myself. Um, you can find me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore, at F-I-G-H-T, T-A-L-K underscore, and I'd love some feedback on this episode, guys. Um, anything that you want me to change, anything that you would want me to talk about, anything at all, any feedback would be much appreciated. Obviously, I'm about to start the show right now, but just wanted to get that out of the way so you knew where to send some feedback to, because um, I'd love to put together something that everybody enjoys. And uh, yeah, that's what we're here for. We're going we're gonna to have a good time, talk about some pro wrestling, and uh, let's just get to it. We're going to start with NXT taping spoilers, all right? Might as well just get these right out of the way. And what's fun about this is I have actually not seen these spoilers until I'm going to read them out loud right now. So I'm going to have some fun with this, and I'll be learning right along with you guys if you have not read these spoilers either. So we're going to start with the NXT taping results from the uh, the episode that will air on December the 12th, of course, on the WWE Network. First up, we have Matt Riddle defeating Punishment Martinez. It says Riddle won by submission with a bro mission, and Cassius Ono attacked Riddle on the ramp after the match. Um, that's cool. So Punishment Martinez, speaking of Ring of Honor, uh, he's somebody who was, who was, you know, making a big name for himself over there in ROH and is a recent signing. He's in the same class of signings as Matt Riddle. For those of you who, uh, keep up with kind of the performance center and the ins and outs of what's going on there, uh, Punishment and Matt Riddle both came in in the same quote unquote, you know, class of NXT talent. And uh, it's great to see Punishment is getting uh, getting some shine on the main roster. Don't know how long this match goes. Don't have any timestamps on any of this stuff. But it's always a good sign to be featured on television. And he's in there against Matt Riddle, who they clearly have big plans for, as they should, because he's fantastic. So there we go. Matt Riddle over Punishment Martinez. Up next, we have the Forgotten Sons, the team of Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake. I'd imagine that... Uh, What's his name? Right, Riker. I can't remember what they what they renamed Gunner as, but he's the other member of the Forgotten Sons. It looks like Cutler and Wesley Blake are the tag team in this one, and they defeat Raul Mendoza and Humberto Carello. Probably butchering that last name, and I'm pretty sure Humberto is the son of Hector Garza, if I'm not mistaken. I know that Hector Garza's son is a part of NXT, and I'm pretty sure that's who uh, Humberto is. And I'm I'm a bit confused as to why they wouldn't use the last name Garza, because, I mean, I remember Hector Garza from his run in WCW back in the 90s. Um, you know, speaking of the 90s, you know, I said I was a WCW fan. Of course, I was familiar, of course, with WWF, ECW, and everything else at the time, too. Um, and Hector Garza was a guy who was in WCW in their cruiserweight division, and then was also in TNA during the early years in their X division. So, and he was part of their World Cup stuff as well, so... I'm a bit confused as to why they wouldn't use the same last name um, if this is, in fact, his son that I'm speaking of. Um, up next, we have Shayna Baszler with Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir, the uh, three of the four four horsewomen of professional wrestling. Uh, looks like Baszler defeats Dakota Kai with a uh, submission, rear naked choke. Uh, after the match, the horsewomen attack Kai until um, Io Shirai makes the save. So there you go. More uh, progressive stories going on with uh, Baszler and uh, Dakota Kai, Surratt. I mean, all good stuff. I, I like what I'm reading so far. Um, after that, it looks like Tommaso Ciampa cuts a promo on Velveteen Dream. Aleister Black interrupts it and invokes his rematch at NXT TakeOver Phoenix, which will be the next uh, special on the, on the WWE Network. Gargano interrupts them, saying he's not done with Black. Ciampa goads them into finishing their feud in a steel cage, and they agree. Uh, Black hits Champa instead of uh, Gargano and stares down Gargano. Okay, interesting. So, looks like they're building towards Aleister Black versus um, Tommaso Champa for the title at Phoenix, and Johnny Gargano is uh, is in that mix as well. Still, so that leads into the December nineteenth episode. Spoilers uh, starts off with EC three defeating Bobby Fish says EC3 uh, countered a cloverleaf into a roll-up to win the match. After the match, Undisputed Era attacks until Heavy Machinery makes a save. 
So it looks like they're building towards something with uh, EC3 versus the Undisputed Era, and they're getting heavy machinery involved in that. I, I like all that. I'm totally fine with all that. And for what it's worth, uh, I think the Undisputed Era is the most valuable commodity, <clears throat> excuse me, in all of WWE, of any of the rosters. Um, I think that, in particular, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly are going to be, you know, just massive, massive key components to the future of that company. Um, Adam Cole has the charisma, you know, probably the best, most charismatic guy in the whole world of wrestling right now, or at least one of them. I really, really enjoy Adam Cole as a character, and he's very solid in the ring. And Kyle O'Reilly, not while not the same type of wrestler, and while I don't like praising this guy for obvious reasons, but Kyle O'Reilly kind of reminds me of like an updated, modernized 2018 version of what like a Chris Benoit would look like as far as work rate in the ring. Like Kyle O'Reilly goes 110% every time he's out there, but different than Benoit, you know, he incorporates a lot of kicks as well, um, more MMA style submissions. Um, You know, his striking is so crisp. He does high flying as well. So Kyle O'Reilly, I think the reason I compare him to Chris Benoit is because I think Kyle O'Reilly can go in there and have great matches with anybody of any size on any roster. And he's going to have great matches and he's believable enough that he can win or lose without losing credibility. So that's just my opinion, and that's just kind of a long roundabout way of saying I think the Undisputed Era is, is really the best thing going in all of WWE right now. So anything they can do to help elevate other people while still looking good themselves, I'm all for. Um, after that, it looks like we have Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch defeating the Mighty. Uh, they won with the Elevated DDT. No problem with that. Uh, not really sure what they're doing with the Mighty, but... I mean, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, I think, are are better overall than the Mighty, in my personal opinion. So, I mean, I'm fine with them getting this win. Up next, we have Mia Kim, or sorry, Mia Yim, defeating uh, Renia Gonzalez. I'm not sure if I'm saying that first name right. Uh, she won with the Eat Defeat, and it gives her a spot in the NXT Women's Championship number one contender Fatal 4-Way later in the tapings. So, a big win for Mia Yim. And in the main event of the December 19th show, Ricochet retains his NXT North American Championship over Tyler Breeze. Interesting. It says here that Tyler Breeze got a big reaction. Um, and so it says that uh, it says beauty shot into a cradle shock. Interesting. Um, I like that a lot, though. I, I've been calling for something like this for quite a while. You know, Tyler Breeze is somebody who's been treading water on the main roster pretty much ever since joining the main roster, being called up from NXT. Uh, The the Fashion Files thing fizzled out pretty quickly. Not really his fault, more the writer's faults, but, you know, that was kind of a hot angle for a while, and they just did nothing with it. Um, And aside from that, he's really done nothing on the main roster of note. And Tyler Breeze isn't the only one. I'd like to see other people in in Tyler Breeze's position somewhat, you know, if you will, move down uh, to NXT because it gives them something to do. Like, I would have loved to see someone like Dolph Ziggler, for instance. I know Ziggler's obviously kind of like, he's more of a a main focus of the main shows now, but kind of when he was in the spot of like never-ending mid-card hell, it would have been cool to see him move down. Same with someone like Cody Rhodes before he left the company. You know, people in that kind of position where like, you know, actually, good example, Tyson Kidd, when NXT first really being started, it was started to be featured on the network. Tyson Kidd was a great example of somebody who was working NXT and main roster at the same time, but getting, you know, NXT title shots while he was like lucky to get, you know, tag team title shots on the main roster kind of thing. So I'm all for Tyler Breeze uh, being a part of NXT again. Don't know if this was a one-off, but either way, I like it. That will lead us into the December 26th episode, spoilers. Uh, Io Shirai and Dakota Kai defeat Jessica Manduke and Marina Shafir. So Shirai pinned Shafir with a moonsault. No problem with that. Uh, uh, after that, we got Dom. Uh, this is so hard for me to say his name because I'm. So, I want to call him Donovan Dijak because that's how I've known him for so long. But Dominic Dijakovic. What a dumb 
dumb name to give somebody. I don't under I don't understand why you make this. I have such a hard time pronouncing this name. It's not like Donovan Dijak was was so much easier, but it's like if you're gonna change it, like and make it that close but that confusing. I just I hate I hate that name change. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, he squashed Aaron uh, Aaron Mackey. Aaron Mackey is actually um, AC Mack. I know him from the independent scene. I've seen him wrestle in uh, Chattanooga at Scenic City Invitational. Um, so it's great to see Mackey, you know, get you know, get featured on NXT, even though it was a squash match. And Dijakovic, I think that's how you pronounce it, Dijakovic or Dijakovic. I'm not sure how they're saying it. Um, I mean, he's a fantastic, fantastic talent. Um, I really am looking forward to the future of, of what uh, Dijakovic winds up doing. But for the love of God, I, I, I hate that name. But he's so good in the ring. I've seen him live many times as well. Um, you know, I saw him wrestle Mara Fuji actually at a Glory Pro show probably a little over a year ago. And it was phenomenal stuff. Um, after that, we have Heavy Machinery. Uh, it just says squashes local talent. I have no idea um, who these local talent are. It says that Undisputed Era tried to distract Heavy Machinery, but it didn't work. Fair enough. And in the main event of the December 26th tapings, we have Matt Riddle defeating Cassius Ono by submission with the Bro Mission. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Bro Mission is a um, a twister. It's uh, known as a twister in mixed martial arts. Most famously performed uh, in the UFC octagon by the Korean zombie Jan, uh, Chan Sung Jung at one point. So for our MMA fans out there, it's pretty cool seeing somebody use a uh, use a uh, twister as their finishing move. Although I will say, similar to like the Anaconda device when CM Punk was using it, I don't know why Riddle wouldn't just, you know, put them in that move and pin them at the same time. Like it's cool if you can get the submission, but it's like their shoulders are right there. You know what I mean? I always had a problem with that when CM Punk would put people on the Anaconda Vice because it was like, I get that lifting the neck up is what's applying the pressure, but if he would just angle it down a little bit more, he'd just be pinning them for three seconds, and you know you don't have to wait for the submission. You just pin them and win, you know? So, yeah, that's nitpicking at its finest, but uh, I'm I'm very happy to see Matt Riddle defeat Cassius Ono again. Um, it says Ono uh, basically pretended to show respect to Riddle after the match, and uh, got attacked for it. So, oh no, attacks Riddle after the match. And then, well, how many more of these do we have? So, one more uh, one more day of uh, spoilers here. We have January 2nd, uh, Jackson Riker. So, that that's Gunner, who I was trying to think of his name earlier from the Forgotten Sons. Says he squashes Mitch uh, Taverna. I'm not sure who Mitch Taverna is. Uh, it says they had to retape the finish because a slingshot powerbomb is not a great move. That's funny. So whoever wrote these spoilers, that's funny. So basically what Jackson Riker does, and I agree with what this guy says who, uh, who put the spoilers together, you, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not a fan of any finishing move that requires elements to perform it. Like I understand, like, and this has come from somebody, my favorite professional wrestling move of all time is Randy Savage's flying elbow drop. Favorite of all time. Still has never been beat in my opinion. I love that move. But that's a little different. That's like you're jumping from heights, you know, like whereas something like Jackson Riker's slingshot powerbomb, you can't do it without the ropes. And it's, I get I'm saying that with like a flying elbow drop as well, but I don't know. There's something different to, to it to me, like because I feel like you can kind of jump off anything to do an elbow drop. Like Randy Savage could go to the top rope. He can go on top of like a barricade. He can climb a ladder. He can whatever. A slingshot powerbomb only works if you have a top rope. You know what I mean? Like, you can't do that on the outside. You can't do that uh, really to anybody either. The, the also, big difference. Flying elbow drop, you can do to anybody, right? doesn't matter how big they are. A slingshot powerbomb, Jackson Riker's going to have a very difficult time performing that on people that are larger than him. So, I don't think it's a good move. Uh, and it looks like it, it didn't come off well because... And, and even even this, not just this time, every time he's done it, it's looked sketchy. And it's looked like, it looks like he's actually taking a big brunt of the impact away by hitting the, ro the rope first and then doing the powerbomb. I, I think it actually hurts the move. So uh, there's that. Um, up next, we have a number one contender fatal four-way between Bianca Belair, uh, 
Mia Yim, Ira Shirai, and Lacey Evans. Uh, Belair wins the match with a KOD, and she is the new number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. Looks like it's going to be Belair versus Shayna Baszler at TakeOver Phoenix. I'm good with that. Um, after that, we have Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong defeating Heavy Machinery. Once again, all for that as well. Um, O'Reilly and Strong, one of the best tag teams in the game. I'm interested to see if Bobby Fish gets inserted back into that kind of like New Day style with like the three of them or what they're going to do with that. Because, you know, initially Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly were the tag team champions at NXT. But the way that I look at it is, you know, Roderick Strong kind of like filled in for him when, when he was out. They lost those titles to the Mustache Mountain team and then re-won it as O'Reilly and Strong. So, you know, I feel like this truly is the tag team champions, but Bobby Fish, I feel like I want to see him get lost in the shuffle, if that makes sense. And heavy machinery can afford to lose. Like they're, they're really character based and there's a lot of things you can do with those guys, whether they win or lose. So I'm okay with that. And uh, the main event of the January 2nd tapings, steel cage match, Johnny Gargano defeats Aleister Black. Interesting. It says as Black attempted to leave the cage to the door, Tommaso Ciampa ran in and slammed it on him. Gargano and Black had a stare down, then did the DIY finisher on Black. Champa smiled and waved at Gargano to close the cage door as Gargano pinned Black. All right, so it looks like uh, they're at the very least they're teasing a DIY reunion. Very interesting, very very interesting stuff. I like where it's all headed, and I love NXT. And the NXT Takeover specials have been massive highlights of the professional wrestling business over the last few years. I have not watched one takeover event that I didn't absolutely love. Uh, so there's that. Those are the NXT taping spoilers, guys. All right. Up next, let's talk some BTE, being the elite. Got some notes here. I love, 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 love being the elite. Uh, basically, the idea behind this week's episode and it's been an ongoing story where Cody Rhodes is possessed. Uh, basically, Triple H is essentially either brainwashing or luring these guys into WWE. Whatever whatever the case is, the, the, the underlying story is Cody is possessed in this episode. He's been possessed for a few weeks now. And uh, just some takeaways from this episode that are worth mentioning. Um, so the episode starts off with Triple H... Triple H's sledgehammer is in the locker room, and all the BTE guys are in there, and nobody can pick up the sledgehammer. It's uh, it's similar to the sword in the stone, if you know that old story. And nobody can pick it up. They're all trying. Triple H comes in, picks it up. It's kind of how the episode gets started off. Um, then we see Marty, uh, Marty Skrull inviting Hangman Page to his New Year's Day party. He's been asking all the BTE guys if they want to come to a New Year's Day party with him. And basically, uh, the idea behind this whole, you know, shtick is that they're teasing that none of them know what they're going to be doing. None of them can commit to the New Year's Day party because their contracts are, no one knows where they're going. No one knows where they'll be. No one knows what they'll be committed to. So nobody wants to commit to Marty's party. And Hangman is added to that list of people that are just basically like, I, I can't say that I'm going to be there, you know. So, you know, that's going to keep on going for now. And and I like that idea. It's like Marty Scroll basically keeps asking people what they're going to be doing at the beginning of the year. And nobody is is being outright and honest and truthful. And no one, once again, no one's committing to anything. So I like that element of it. Um, some of my favorite things about this episode happen up next. You know, Cody is basically so so Hangman Flip and the Young Bucks are all talking about Cody being possessed. They're like, what's going on with this guy? His eyes are white, like this is crazy. And Cody is standing behind them, just doing taunts of WWE wrestlers. It's so it's so funny. Like he's standing behind these guys and he's doing like the HBK poses, the DX poses. He's doing the John Cena, you can't see me. He's doing the Hulk Hogan flex off. He's doing the diamond cutter. He's he's throwing fake super kicks at the air. It's so funny. Just terrific stuff by Cody. Um, Christopher Daniels, the fallen angel, performs an exorcism on Cody. And uh, some great lines from Cody during this one. He yells out, 
Uh, the Revival had match of the year at NXT TakeOver 2016. Uh, he yells out, Shatter Machine, RKO, Pedigree, uh, calls Christopher Daniels coach in Whisper's Performance Center in his ear. Um, eventually, the Young Bucks uh, children's book is used to cure Cody. So Christopher Daniels used the Young Bucks book, and Cody's cured. At the end of the episode, Cody whispers, fuck the Revival, to Matt Jackson. So Cody's been cured. Uh, the exorcism uh, seemingly worked, and Cody seems to be back to his normal self. So we'll see where that's all headed, but I absolutely love what they're doing with BTE, and for what it's worth, I hope that Cody and those guys stay outside of the WWE. I hope that, uh, you know, either this this rumor uh, about them starting their own company, this uh, AEW wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, whatever they wind up doing, I hope they stay outside of the WWE because these guys are doing such great things to change the professional wrestling business for the better. And I think they can do more to change it for the better outside the WWE. That being said, if they all wind up going back, or, you know, Cody winds up going back and, like, the Young Bucks and Hangman, you know, wind up debuting, don't know what Kenny's going to be doing. I'd imagine he'll be sticking around New Japan. Uh, but in Marty Scroll as well, I'm not sure maybe he's WWE bound, or I'm, I'm really not sure what, where, what the future holds for each individual guy or if collectively they'll be doing everything all together. But... You know, it's it's just one of those things, like, if they go back, if as I say go back as a Cody, but if they go to the WWE, I just have way less faith that they'll be able to change the wrestling business for the better. I just really don't know, um, with with kind of the constraints that they're going to have on them, with Vincent Mann and, and the powers that be and the writers and all the, all the levels that you have to go through to get stuff done with the WWE, I just don't. I, I, you know, I just don't want to see that happen. They're doing such awesome stuff on the outside that I hope that, uh, I hope they stay on the outside. And I think it'd be great if they started their own, you know, full on promotion. So that's my opinions on that. And that was BTE for the week. Um, up next, we'll talk a little NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, uh, put up some stuff on their YouTube channel this week. And, uh, the big takeaways from it, uh, kind of the two main things that I saw this week on their, on their YouTube channel. Andy Brown uh, took on Willie Mack for the NWA North American Championship, and that was a match from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, Willie Mack, of course, won the championship. Uh, it's It's been re, uh, reestablished by the National Wrestling Alliance, and it was uh, brought back at NWA 70 at the show I was mentioning before in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, this match was pretty damn good. You know, I didn't know much about Andy Brown, and... Uh, just some highlights from the match. Uh, there was a nice flying knee lift. Sorry, a nice flying leg lift. Or knee lift, whatever you want to call it, by Willie Mack. A uh, nasty senton in the corner by Mack. It was basically like the uh, the running Kevin Owens, uh, whatever they call that, the bowling ball or whatever they call it. And uh, But Mack didn't do the somersault. He just jumps straight up, throws his legs out in the air, and just lands back first, which looks, like, uh, <laughs> looks pretty nasty in, in my opinion. Uh, Brown hit, uh, an almost style double knees in the corner to Mac. So, you know, Mac was down on the ground, uh, seated position and Brown did kind of the CN almost style running knees. I liked that. Uh, there was a nice elevated flatliner by Mac. Brown hit a spine buster into a seated super kick. I like that a lot too. Uh, T-bone exploder by Mac, uh, Canadian destroyer by Brown. Brown goes for a package pile driver, which I'm assuming is his finisher, but I'm not sure. Uh, but Mac reverses it and hits a stunner to retain the title. All good stuff. Uh, a match that I recommend checking out, especially if you're not that familiar with the NWA's uh, product currently. Good stuff. And then there was also a uh, teaser video on their channel. It looks like Sam Shaw and Willie Mack will be fighting next uh, for Willie Mack's NWA North American Championship on December the 9th. So... Sam Shaw was a part of the tournament to crown the champion at NWA 70, and he'll be getting the next title shot uh, eight days from this recording. So that's what's going on in the world of the National Wrestling Alliance right now. All right, let's move on and talk Impact Wrestling. So Impact Wrestling this week, I thought this was a damn good show. 
I really did. I came into this with incredibly low expectations. I'll be totally honest. Um, you know, I did not know what to expect. There's been so, so, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, I was a humongous fan of the product, historically speaking. But, you know, things here and there just really killed my love for it. You know, whether it was the Jeff Hardy and, and Sting debacle, whether it was Hulk Hogan coming in, whether, you know what, whether it was Abyssomania. Remember that when, when maybe the dumbest storyline in professional wrestling history. Like, I'll take Katie Vick over Abyssomania. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, at one time, for those of you who don't know, somehow... In the, in the landscape of TNA wrestling, Impact Wrestling, whatever you want to call it, Hulk Hogan was using his WWE Hall of Fame ring to give Abyss Hulkamania-style superpowers called Abyssomania. You know, these are the things I'm talking about. Like, that were just like, I'm done watching this, you know? Um, even, you know, earlier, I guess it was uh, a couple months ago, when Austin Aries no sold the ending of uh, that big match for the title with uh, with Johnny Nitro or Johnny uh, Johnny Impact, sorry, um, you know what I'm saying? Like these are all things that just like always make me want to just give up on TNA completely or Impact Wrestling completely. This episode of Impact makes me want to watch Impact again. Honestly, this was a really good episode, and I'm not just saying this because I'm reviewing it for this. Uh, for this podcast, like this was a really good episode. Um, the first match was Willie Mack, who I just mentioned doing the uh, the NWA stuff. Him and Rich Swan uh, versus the Lucha Brothers. This was a really, really, really good match. Um, you know, I'm familiar with the Lucha Brothers, of course, um, from their outside work, whether it be you know Pentagon from Lucha Underground, or you know I've seen them at, at independent shows such as Glory Pro as well. And Ray Phoenix does. I mean, he might be the best high flyer in the world, you know, him and Bandito or maybe number one and number two, but just so, so good. Um, Rich Swan looks better than he's looked in a long time, in my opinion. He looks rejuvenated in impact. Uh, Willie Mack looked great. Once again, Pentagon looked great. Everybody looked great in this match. I thought this match was was fantastic. Um, I mean, it, this is one of those where it's very hard to tell you like highlights of this match because there's... There's so many things that these guys did, and half of the stuff I can't—I don't even know what to call it. It—it it was so good, though. It was—I can't recommend this enough. This was really, really good stuff. Um, basically, you know, do I even want to go through these moves, or do it? Should you just go watch it? You know, I think you should just watch this match, guys. Find a way to watch this match. It was really good. Um, there was four fifties. There was six one nines. There was you know a bunch of diving foot stomps. There was you know assisted splashes, um, multiple hurricane ranas, you know, face busters. There was reverse ranas. There was, I mean, anything you can think of, these guys did it all. And there were certain things that, that, uh, Ray Phoenix did where he's just springboarding into another springboard, into a springboard, into a kick, into a springboard, into a flip. And, and it's just like, holy cow. You know what I mean? Like great stuff. The Lucha brothers win the match. Um, after Pentagon hits Mac with an assisted face buster splash. So great stuff. Um, after the match, the LAX, uh, basically give props to the Lucha brothers and Conan is upset with LAX because, you know, storyline wise, you know, it just is what it is. So you know where I'm going with all this. It's, it's one of those things where they're building towards LAX versus the Lucha brothers. That's the gist of it. Um, up next, we had Katrina. Is that how you say her name? Katria? I honestly don't even know. It's it's the, uh, what was her name? Uh, Katie Lee Birchall from WWE taking on Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace is someone I've been a fan of for quite a while now as well from the independent scene. Uh, is it Katarina? Is that how you say her name? I'm honestly not positive. But this was a good match, and Jordan Grace presents something different, you know. She's a buff girl, you know, which is good. I like some, I like seeing stuff that's different, um, and she's believable. You know, she's an actual power lifter. Like, if you follow her on social media, you know, she puts up weights like like the dudes do. You know what I mean? So, no problem with uh, with anything that happened in this match. It was pretty short and sweet. Uh, Grace wins with a bear hug, which, you know, 
I'd like to see a different finisher, but given what I've just said about her strength and her style, it's kind of cool seeing a throwback like the bear hug being used as a finisher. So I don't really have any problem with it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Jordan Grace does next. And what else is cool about Jordan Grace is there's people that aren't even huge fans of pro wrestling that have hit me up personally and been like, hey, man, like, who's this Jordan Grace girl? Because, like, they see her on, like, YouTube or something. And there's people who aren't even big wrestling fans who are kind of uh, gravitating towards Jordan Grace because they see something different in her and it makes them want to tune in. So that's a big win, I think. Um, Up next... Let's see, there was a GWN match featuring the Ultimate X. Oh yeah, so that was really, really good too. Um, I'm trying to remember who all that involved because I don't have it in front of me. Um, I know Loki was involved, Trevor Lee, I believe was in there. I think Andrew Everett. And it was very good, it was very good. Um, Loki wound up winning the match and it was interesting how they did it because... Loki essentially went above the Ultimate Axe structure and was like holding like the uh, like the steel railing above it and standing with his feet on the uh, the top of the the wire when he won the match. So that was interesting. Um, personally speaking, just so you guys just know a little bit more about me and kind of where I come from when I'm when I'm reviewing stuff and and kind of the history of of me as a fan and stuff. It's hard for me to get behind Loki, just be totally honest. I know a lot of stories about him personally, um, and I've met him in person as well. He's he's an he's an odd guy. He's a he's a he's a guy who's very difficult for me to get to get behind because without getting too into it, um, I've seen him take liberties with a lot of people in the ring over the years. Um and it's one of those things where like there's nothing impressive to me about somebody similar to the uh to the Nia Jack situation with Becky. There's nothing impressive to me about about cheap shotting people when they're letting them when they're letting them hit you, you know, or letting you hit them rather, you know. And I've seen just so many times where Loki just just stiffs people in there, and you know, in my opinion, if you're such a tough guy, fight somebody in MMA for real, you know, fight somebody who's gonna fight you back who isn't letting you do these moves to them, you know. That being said, you know, Loki he's a he's a fun guy to watch for the most part. He has a lot of cool moves. Um, he was an innovator. You know, I was a big fan of his in Ring of Honor. But like I said, over the years, and he just, he takes the wrestling business very, very seriously, which which I don't have a problem with, but he takes it too seriously. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things like, because I know him a bit on a personal level, and because I know a lot of people that have worked with him on a personal level, it's very hard for me to get behind his matches. I'm just going to be totally honest. Um, but that being said, the match itself was pretty damn good. But... You know, just a little pulling the curtain back a little bit. And and once again, I have no problem if anyone listening to this is a fan of Loki and what he does. But my my point is more so, especially with like the Nia Jax stuff happening, it just kind of like re-reminds me of like the times when Loki is just, you know, kick somebody straight in the face when they were letting him kick him. You know, it's just, this is what it is. Um, Up next, we have uh, Taya Valkyrie versus Ray Lynn. Uh, one with a modified camel clutch of uh, Taya. Taya one with a modified camel clutch. Quick match, nothing, uh, nothing much to really talk about here. But after the match, Taya is attacked by Tessa Blanchard, uh, and she also lays out the referee. Uh, Gail Kim makes the save eventually, and you know, so that's good stuff. You know, Tessa Blanchard is great, and I'm glad to see her get uh, you know more of a role on Impact and in mainstream wrestling because. She's somebody who I think could really be one of the big futures of women's wrestling in any company. So good to see that they're kind of setting up something with her and Gail Kim, it looks like. Um, up next, the uh, the Rascals debut. Uh, the tag team of Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz take on Mike Seidel and Chris Bay. This was a lot of fun to watch. I like the Rascals. Um, I've known about Desmond, Desmond Xavier for quite a while. Don't know quite as much about uh, Zachary Wentz, but... This was a lot of fun to watch. These guys are a lot of a lot of fun. They're very entertaining. Um, Wentz hit a pretty cool Bronco Buster. Like it's a move that's obviously we've seen a, a trillion times over the years. But he looks like he's actually like going for it at the Bronco Buster. You know, a lot of the times people hit that move and it's like they're kind of barely touching them in the corner. Wentz was like 
nailing uh nailing that move in the corner uh you know there was a series of kicks and and you know moves to the outside basically what you would expect out of out of high flyers and guys who are making their debut and kind of hitting their greatest hits in there uh the finish was really cool basically Wentz hit an assisting assisted standing moonsault meaning he jumps in the air is mid backflip as Xavier shoves him midair over to where uh the opponent was on the ground for the three count so like once again kind of hard to explain but basically Wentz jumps up half a moonsault shoved midair Flies part way across the ring for the pin and the win. I like it. Um, yeah, there's nothing really more you can say about it. There's probably a big future for the Rascals and Impact. I mean, the great thing about Impact, really, it, it, it's wide open. Like, there are spots for people to make a name for themselves in this company right now. And the Rascals have a lot of potential. So, looking forward to seeing what they do next. In the main event, we had Eli Drake taking on Tommy Dreamer. Um... So initially, Tommy Dreamer wins the match by countout, but then the match is restarted as no DQ. And, you know, for what it was, it was pretty good. Um, I'm not the hugest Eli Drake fan. I don't dislike him. I'm just kind of neutral on him. I know there's a lot of people that love him. Um, And maybe I'll, you know, grow to love him the more that I, uh, you know, keep up with the Impact Wrestling product going forward. But this is kind of what, you know, kind of what I expect out of a Tommy Dreamer match. Um, There was, you know, People using traffic cones, uh, street pans, you know, a bunch of neck breakers and clotheslines. You know, they were using steel chairs. They were, you know, Tommy Dreamer hits his DDT, you know, hits his DVD. Uh, Eli, you know, counters the DVD into a low blow. Uh, basically, though, the finish comes where there's a chair around uh, Tommy Dreamer's neck, and then he gets hit with. It says here that it was a boat or I don't know if it was a boat or the bat. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but either way, it looked pretty brutal. And it's kind of exactly what you'd expect out of a Tommy Dreamer match. Like I said, Eli Drake gets the win via pinfall. And uh, after the match, Eli Drake uh, opens a card backstage and then just like runs away. So we don't know what the, the card said. I guess, you know, maybe we'll find out next week. Um, now I will say this, as far as impact wrestling goes, and, and I've just mentioned, you know, it's wide open, you know, there's these young guys, there's these great matches. Like the opening match was fantastic. The Lucha brothers versus Willie Mack and, um, and Rich Swan was fantastic. The X division match was very, very good. Um, there was good stuff. Jordan Grace, like I said, is a high note. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. The Rascals, good stuff. But for the main event to be Tommy Dreamer is a little confusing to me. Because I just, I don't know, and, and this, this might turn people off from even listening to this show, I'll be totally honest, but I'm, I'm just really overseeing certain guys out in the ring, even though they're guys that I looked up to, you know, my whole life as a wrestling fan. Like, I love Tommy Dreamer in ECW. I love that he got a chance in the WWE afterwards. But, like, for him to be main eventing Impact Wrestling shows, when you have the people that I just mentioned on the show as well, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think the, the, these kind of spots should be reserved for people that, you know, are going to be kind of the future of your company, not somebody who is going to come and go and is is fairly limited in what he can do, right? Like, I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty rare that we see just like a straight-up one-on-one Tommy Dreamer match without any, you know, weapons or any hardcore stipulations that's really any good. I'm going to be totally honest. He's great at doing the hardcore stuff, but you can't always do the hardcore stuff in these spots in these main events, so... That's just my opinion. But overall, I really enjoyed Impact Wrestling this week. I really did. Um, And that was a surprise to me, to be totally honest. So there you go. And the last thing we're going to talk about this week is Ring of Honor. So I do not know if they did a show last night. I'm recording this on the 1st of uh, December, 2018. They, They typically run shows every Friday night. And I could not find anything about their show from this past Friday if they had one. So I'll be talking about the uh, the results from the uh, the show on the 23rd. And before I get started on that, I do want to mention a couple uh, big uh, announcements that Ring of Honor recently made. So yesterday they announced that Zack Sabre Jr. vs. Tracy Williams is signed for Final Battle Fallout in Philly on December the 15th. 
I love that. Um, I'm a big fan of Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. He's the uh, the current Powerbomb TV Independent Pro Wrestling Champion. He is somebody that I've seen live a bunch of times as well. Uh, here, uh, I saw him wrestle Kevin Q actually at a Subgrap Southern Underground Pro here in Nashville uh, just a couple months ago, and it was a great match. Um, Tracy Williams has been doing phenomenal things uh, on the independent scene. And I think him versus Zack Sabre Jr. is going to be an awesome match. I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I'm super happy that they announced that. Um, another big uh, signing by Ring of Honor that was announced today. Uh, PCO, he's not human, has joined Ring of Honor on a full-time basis. He has a full-time contract at 50 years of age. And he had to uh, subsequently drop his upcoming date at Black Label Pro due to his new contract with Ring of Honor. Um, my friend Mikey Blanton, who runs Black Label Pro over there, making the announcement, but also congratulating PCO and, and saying he's happy for him. You know, Mikey's a great dude. And, and honestly, for those of you who aren't familiar with Black Label Pro or Mikey Blanton, um, he really deserves a lot of credit for the, the career resurgence of PCO because he was one of the first guys to give him a chance um, when he wanted to come back and do this. And... You know, he's done that for a lot of people, not just PCO. There's a lot of people who, D'Lo Brown, another good example. There, there's people kind of from like wrestling's past that you kind of figured you'd never see again. Uh, the Faces of Fear, he's booked them before, you know. So big shout out to Mikey, BLP Mikey, dude. Um, but that all being said, good stuff for Ring of Honor. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tracy Williams is awesome. And I'm happy for PCO. I'm interested to see what he does in Ring of Honor. He's been doing great things on the indie scene. I never expected to see him do to do these things ever in my life. So it's it's crazy that he's out there and he's doing it. More power to him. In, in, a, in a much different way than Tommy Dreamer, the, as I was mentioning before, where whereas Tommy Dreamer is just, it's kind of, I feel like I'm watching the same Tommy Dreamer I watched back in ECW. Just an older, slower, more out of shape Tommy Dreamer. PCO, I feel like I'm watching a completely different character than the Pierre Carolet that I was watching on WWF programming in the 90s, the the pirate. You know what I mean? This this is a completely different thing that he is doing, and and I I'm a big fan of it. Um, as far as the ROH uh, TV results are concerned for last week's episode, once again, this is for the uh, the 23rd, not this past Friday, but the Friday before. Um, there was a two on one handicap match. It was uh. Matt Taven uh, defeating the boys, uh, you know, just was what it was. It, there's not a whole lot to say about this. Um, Matt Taven beat uh, one of the boys with the climax, boy number one with the climax. Um, you know, Matt Taven is uh, an interesting character in Ring of Honor right now because he's carrying around a fake world championship belt, but we will be seeing him versus Dalton Castle in the near future for the true title, so maybe that'll be good. Um We'll see. Only time will tell. Uh, let's see. There was a video package about Cody becoming the Ring of Honor champion and later the NWA champion. Uh, we had Jonathan Grisham, who's fantastic. Grisham's another guy that I've known from the independent scene for a long time, and it's great seeing him get some uh, some mainstream credibility, mainstream credit uh, recently. Uh, he challenges Zack Sabre Jr. and Jr. accepts, which, love it. Uh, Kelly Klein versus uh, Jenny Rose was up next. Once again, not a whole lot you can really talk about with this match. It wasn't a bad match. Uh, Kelly Klein wins with the K Power, which is similar to uh, similar to like the Metalik driver. Only difference being just kind of the way that she she falls with her knees first instead of her butt first, but basically the same move. Um, side note: one of the funniest things I've ever seen in wrestling was uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw this or caught it, but I think it was during the first ever cruiserweight classic tournament when grand metalik was uh i know he made it all the way to the finals i remember one match where he hit the metalik driver on somebody and pulled his own mask off in the process which i just thought was hilarious um but that being said kelly klein wins the match and uh and that's that the uh the main event of the show was a a number one contender match for the ROH Tag Team Championships. We had the Briscoe Brothers versus the Young Bucks. This is exactly what you'd expect from these two teams who have wrestled each other a trillion times. Um, I guess, it, I mean, you know, Inziguris, Springboard Foot Stomps, Lung Blowers. 
uh, double Boston, was it double sharpshooters? We had like double sharpshooters. We had uh, Boston Crabs. Uh, Nick hits a set out face buster into, an, into a tornado DDT. There was a near fall after uh, Matt and Nick hit a double team, uh, twisting neck breaker to the knees. Basically a super kick party and uh, what happens? Uh, I know it was a, it was a disqualification. Uh, Jay throws chairs into the... Oh, actually, it was a double DQ. That's right. I was thinking it was the DQ by the uh, by the Briscoe brothers. That's right. Matt and Jay both throw chairs into the ring for a double DQ. Um, big brawl on the outside. Uh, SoCal Uncensored, who is the current tag team champions, uh, come out and they set up a triple ladder match. Ladder war, I should say, uh, for final battle. So, uh, honestly, this episode of ROH TV was kind of a nothing show for me. Um... We didn't even get a finish in the main event, and I know that we didn't really need to because they're setting up this triple threat, but I don't know. I expected more out of the ROH show, and I'm hoping it's it's better going forward, but like I said, they made some really great announcements recently, so, you know, the future is bright, I think, for Ring of Honor, at least in the near future, and honestly, I think Impact was looking pretty darn good. Uh, BTE is great. Uh, NXT is always great. NWA is on the up and up, so what more can you really ask for, you know? Thanks for checking this out, guys. This has been the first episode of me on the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. If you like this episode, please let me know on Twitter once again at FightTalk underscore. And uh, that's that. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Take it easy and have a good one. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.